We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I just like the sound. Finally, after weeks of trying to get this, a hold of this dude, because this guy is everywhere right now, popping up on different podcasts and doing a bunch of shit. My guy, Kyle. Kyle, what's good, man? Thank you for joining the show. Kyle Ma- Maggio, right? Yes, sir. Uh, works with Whistle Sports, and this man is sort of becoming like a Stephen A. Smith kind of thing. Got new podcasts and shit. So, Kyle, tell the people... <laughs> What you got cooking up, man? Because it's way too much to explain. <laughs> uh, yeah, so everything was a sports. You know, uh, I do social media over there, uh, merchandise, little podcasting. Um, I got two pods there. Uh, you know, the first of which is the Three to the Dome podcast, which is my, uh, not really just an NBA, but a basketball podcast where we can talk about all the different pro leagues and, uh, you know, just high-level discussion, none of that uh, for all the free agency shit that you always hear on TV. So, so there's that. We have our gambling podcast, which is called 300 Seconds. Uh, it's just a five-minute gambling podcast. So if you want to get your picks in, you want to make some money with us, come through. Uh, and aside from that, my baby is uh, the Knicks wall. You know, uh, worked that the last five years, built that from the ground up with my partners. Uh, you know, Ryan Pumzelon and, and Bailey Carlin, Matt Spenley, Reed Goldsmith. So uh, really built that into something special and unique. Have the TKW podcast there. So... Um, I'm all over the place. Uh, I like it that way, but uh, just just trying to work, man. Just trying to grind. 
controlled chaos. That's what that sounds like. But it, as long as it's under control and you got all your hands in different outlets, which is dope, man. Yo, tell me about this gambling thing, dude, because I'm very intrigued. Everyone that knows me is I'm a big time piece of shit. And I mean, Matt, with the utmost <laughs> respect, when, like, when I was younger, all my friends used to be like, yo, you're a piece of shit. You like to bet. You're a degenerate. But like now it's kind of I wear it like a badge of honor. So I heard gambling pod. You kind of lost me right then and there. Yeah, so the main thing was we were trying to figure out um, something unique. I mean, that's what everyone's always trying to do with uh, any new podcast or product. But uh, our boy Jensen Butler at Whistle actually came up with this concept of just why don't we do a five-minute pod where it's just the picks and we just riff on it daily and, um, you know, just give the people what they want. No 30, 40 minute analysis in all the games. Nobody has time for that. You know, everyone just wants to pick up the phone. You know, if they're going to the bathroom and take a piss real quick, you could just knock out basically what we're going to bet on that day. So that was the premise. We just wanted anybody to be listening to it anywhere, anytime, all the way through. Um, so we're, we're trying to, you know, still in the, the baby stages with that. We're trying to get it up and running, but basically just trying to, you know, trim all of the fat off and uh, give you the picks. I love it. I love that concept. I don't know of anyone doing that, to be honest with you, because you're right. A lot of people, and I, and I do some sports betting stuff too, and a lot of times I've, got, I've gotten some messages, bro, that are hilarious. They're like, yo, I love the insight. I love the breakdown, but like, what am I parlaying this weekend? That's all I really want to know. I'm not trying to know everything else. So I think you're onto something with that 300 seconds, man. Yeah, uh, I'm excited about it. You know, we had some uh, ideas, and, you know, this weekend we're going to have the XFL picks and. Um, just just trying to you know, really, I guess, find the identity, find the brand there, but I think we're kind of building towards something unique. And the, the 300 seconds name was just, you know, something that stuck when we broke down the actual what five minutes are. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. Uh, subscribe there. Helps me stay employed. I enjoy it. But, uh, you know, just uh, having fun with it right now. What uh, is, is that your favorite sport to number one, follow just in general basketball? And is that also the one that you like or have the most success in when it comes to gambling? Uh, so to answer the first question, yes. To answer the second question, no. Uh, I actually don't like betting on basketball. I'll do it, but um, basketball is way too unpredictable. Mm. Um, it's way too uh, volatile. The only bet that I will uh, swear by in basketball is uh, the live line, the second half line, when you wait for a good team, a contending team, to be down like five to seven points at halftime. That's like my golden my golden rule. Or if you get a, a decent home dog for like five or six points in the wild. But like aside from that, I, I try to stay out of it because I, I have gotten just lambasted with uh, basketball picks. Football I'm actually pretty damn good with. And that's not even like, you know, the sport that gets my full, full sports attention. So uh, just goes to show you like, as much as we try to pretend, you know, we, we know everything about gambling. Like, no one knows anything about gambling. Like, you can flip a coin half the time and be better than, you know, the picks you'd be making with real analysis. Oh, dude, I say all the time because I'm, I'm a big DFS player, like Daily Fantasy stuff, DraftKings, FanDuel, and all that. And sometimes you hear these touts, and it's like, yo, in the end of the day, no one knows anything. And I've kind of made that a running joke. And, like, there'll be times I'll put in so much research in, in, like, a particular matchup or whatnot, and then some random wide receiver three just scores two touchdowns, and they were going up against, like, the number one pass defense. And it's like, yo, all this shit doesn't add up at all. So I feel you on that. I find it interesting that you mentioned that, though, with uh, 
with the basketball. I like that thing about the in-game. I do feel like a lot of people don't exploit that. My favorite thing with basketball betting is come playoff time. Do you know about this trend going on last couple of years of home teams coming coming home for sorry, teams down 2-0 coming home for game 3? Uh no, I I wasn't aware. Um I'll, I'll make some some series bets. Um but the actual like game to game betting, I try to stay away from. But I I wasn't aware of the I wasn't aware of that trend though. So last last year, um, you you, li- you live in Connecticut. You told me, right? I do. I live in uh, Danbury, Connecticut. Do you guys are you are you allowed to to bet there, or do you got to go into Jersey? So so the legal betting, we got to be in Jersey because I've tried to use like the FanDuel apps and everything, and uh, they check your location, and you can't use them where I'm at. So we have to use all the offshore stuff. So. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, we'll, we'll we'll keep that under wraps for a different time, but. Uh, yeah. You know, no, the reason why I ask is because, you know, you brought up that that thing about the live betting. I do feel like that's that's a place that a lot of people are not exploiting, dude. Sometimes like these good teams like that go down 10, 15 points, even like, yo, what's a 15 to 20 point deficit nowadays in like the second quarter? That shit don't mean anything with the three ball. And the thing that I was talking about with with these teams down to oh, when they come home for game three. It is my favorite bet in all of sports betting. It has surpassed the NBA All-Star Game over, which went over again this year. It's the closest thing to a sure bet. Um, it covered it by, I think, seven or eight points. But Because, you know, they did the whole Elam rule and the tribute to Kobe, so it was a little different. But anyway, I know I'm rambling here, but, dude, teams down, 0-2 coming home for Game 3, first half, point spread. Last year, only one time did it not cover, and that was the Pistons against the Bucks. And I remember that so vividly because I didn't bet that game because that's when, like, Blake Griffin was hurt too. So I'm like, yo, Detroit got nothing to play for, and they're completely trash, and they got blown out. But there's just, the theory behind it is you're going to get the home team the most fired up. The crowd is going to be energized. They're not out of the series yet. So if there's anything you get out of this pod, bro, I would say maybe put that in the archives and give the boy a shout out when it happens. Uh, I like that. I mean, look, listen, I'm I, I'm more of an uh, I want to say an emotional better, but like I try to bet with that kind of context, like where the motivation is. Like, just teams playing well in the NBA isn't enough to make me bet on a team on any given night. Like, I like to that a coach just get fired. Like, like something like that that I have a story for because. People underplay the human element, like, drastically, almost totally sometimes when making bets, and I feel like it's impossible to ignore. So, I mean, we all have our ways of analyzing things. I try to use a little bit of blend of both, but, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, that part's exactly why, you know, for me. Like, you, you need motivation sometimes for whatever reason, and betting on that is never a bad thing. Oh, dude, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I stay away from betting on college I'm like, yo, I'm not going to bet on dudes 18 to 20 years old where I don't know if the sorority girl, like, left him out to dry the night before or some shit or, like, didn't call him back and he's all depressed. And if they're 18 to 21 and they're not pro athletes, I'm not betting on it. But with that said, I do fire up brackets come NCAA tournament time because that's just how it is. Yeah, tournament time, like, I'm always a little bit scared with tournament time. Um, Just because college betting terrifies me with the spread. Um, it, it's never, it's never like unreasonable, but like just 
the shock value. I always see like spreads like minus 19 and a half. And it's like, all right, man, 20 points is always a lot to me. I don't care if it's college and if, you know, Kentucky's playing some trash school, but like it, it always just appears to be a lot for me and scares me. So I always just try to stay away from it. Well, also at college, the one thing that I've learned over the years, and my buddy Boss, I used to do the show with, with him. He's a Syracuse alumni, and dudes are super passionate about their school, and, you know, they're alum, right? So they're never going to bet against Syracuse. Like, he would never go and bet against Syracuse, but he'll go and bet against the Knicks and the Yankees, you know? But there's just something about the passion to it, and that's why you see some of these inflated numbers with the point spreads where, you know, 28-and-a-half point favorite and shit like that. So I feel you, man. It, it is a little scary come tournament time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. I want to ask you a, a couple things about the NBA so far. How you feel about this season, man? How's, how it's gone? And, you know, we'll get to the Knicks in a little bit, but just your general thoughts on the NBA this far, so far this year. Uh, I've liked it. Um, I know people were complaining because the ratings are down and whatnot. And I try not to pay a lot of attention to that. I feel like sometimes we still focus on TV and forget how many people are streaming and trying to watch things on uh, mobile sometimes. But I thought there's a lot of you know, a lot of good stuff to be looking for. Like, the Heat are a fun young team led by Jimmy Butler right now. Um, I've been watching a lot of Grizzlies all year. You know, my boy John Morant killing it. Uh, you know, Jerry Jackson Jr. having a great year. Um, so that's a fun, dynamic young team on the rise. You know, they're in the playoff race right now. Normally watching teams like Portland and, uh, you know, for Dame Lillard and everyone. So um, I, I thought, I don't know, I've, I've enjoyed it considerably. The Lakers are good again. The Clippers are good. Uh, I just feel like there's no true villain and no true, like, favorite this year. So it's kind of like the field is just playing out with a lot of these two-star teams, and I'm just trying to kind of enjoy a uh, a well-rounded NBA, which we always complain we never get, and I feel like we kind of have it now, so I'm just trying to take it in. I definitely feel you on that. I think it's been the most wide open. You could find serious flaws with pretty much every team at the top, and I know it's, according to a lot of sports books, it's a three-headed race between both LA teams and and the Bucks. So I gotta ask you, are you based off what I've heard from you so far, you like to talk about narratives and player emotions, is it fair to say that you're probably leaning towards the Lakers as being your pick right now or in the driver's seat to win the title? Cause you know with the whole with the whole Kobe stuff, which by the way, dude, I, I DM'd you and I told you I thought you were doing a brilliant job with how you handled that whole, you know, the unfortunate news of Kobe. You uh I feel like you were one of the few people that kind of brought positivity to the situation. And, and like you said to me, you're like, yo, bro, I was just trying to put some smile on people's faces in a tough time. Yeah, you know, for me, like, it just made me think about uh, growing up and why, you know, I gave a shit about basketball. And for me, it's guys like, uh, you know, that night I was five years old when he got drafted. So all my earliest memories uh, about, because I've always watched the whole league, too. It's not like I just grew up a Knicks fan and eventually loved the league, like, I was always watching as many games as I could. Like, I watched a ton of Nets games, Jason Kidd, Kenny Martin, Richard Jefferson, Karen Kittles, all those guys growing up. I watched a ton of Knicks games growing up, obviously. I watched a ton of Sixers games growing up with Allen Iverson, made sure I never missed what he was on. I watched a ton of Lakers, Magic, for, you know, Shaq, Kobe, T-Mac. So, um, for me, it was like, I, I fell in love because all these players were so good, and you were attracted to the stars at the time, and the Knicks didn't have many stars, you know, for me growing up, uh, post-90, so... It was like, yeah, I tuned in to watch all those actual good stars coming to play. So for me, it's like those guys helped me fall in love with the game. It's very unfortunate. 
you know, to see something like that happen. Obviously, it's tragic hearing how it happened, and I'm sure a lot of people felt the same way. So uh, just trying to go back and reminisce a little bit, and I'm sure everyone understood and kind of got those vibes. But um, in terms of uh, who I think is going to be the favorite this year, uh, I kind of I like the Lakers. I, I think betting against LeBron, especially when he has a superstar teammate, is always a really stupid decision. Uh, even when he was on the Cavs, I always thought it was really silly to bet against him in the East. But now that the West is wide open, still wouldn't do it. Uh, that said, the Bucks have been terrifying, and Giannis is on a stretch that's pretty much like a perimeter shack right now in terms of dominance. So I don't know, man. I mean, they're incredibly well-rounded in Milwaukee. They have very few holes, if any. So. I don't know if I have a clear-cut favorite, but I, I do kind of foreshadow the Bucks lakers being on a collision course. I think this might be one of those years where like the, the, top, the clear top team in each uh, conference is going to be able to get through. Yeah, it's going to be hard to disagree with that. I know right now the Lakers are the favorite over at FanDuel, and uh, out the east it's Milwaukee. Yo, the one thing I'm a little worried about with the Bucks is I, I might be looking into this a little bit too much because – Again, it was the All-Star game, and it is an exhibition. But, man, I don't know. Did did you watch the All-Star game? Did you feel like Giannis was kind of pressing towards the end where they kind of buckled down? And I love the vibe of, you know, they got rid of the time at the end of it, and they just said first to, what was it, 157. And that's where you saw everybody that was an alpha out there. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's yet another year at the All-Star game where – Giannis kind of maybe because he's been so phenomenal and I'm a big Giannis guy too because I'm Greek so like that's my guy and uh and I don't know I just felt as if when I was watching it maybe not that he's not ready because yo fam you can't be an MVP and not be ready right and especially a guy like that but I don't know do you think I'm looking into it a little bit too much with it being an all-star game I mean personally I think so um I thought he at least he brought it most of the game, I thought he was one of the first guys trying in the beginning. Um, That's true. You know, I, I I thought he really helped elevate the level of play. I, and I get, like, the concerns towards the end, but I, I, I don't know what their concerns as much as it's... I think sometimes we forget that Giannis is, like, a clear cut above everyone, and then when you're playing with, like, the other nine top desk, uh, you know, best players in the league, it complicates things, especially when they all decide to try at the same time on both sides of the floor. Like, that's not easy we haven't seen that level of effort from uh you know a five on five that talented in quite some time like we've had some good finals but we haven't seen legitimate all-stars going all out like that to close the game so i think people are kind of over inflating the the Giannis thing and kind of not giving him enough credit to like hey these are the superstars playing good defense at their best like this is what could happen and we're not giving Giannis enough credit either i think for like he put the clamps on broad like multiple times down the stretch like so it, the offense wasn't there. He was pressing a little bit for sure, but I thought I thought it was all was fine. I thought seeing guys like that was good, like struggle like that was good because you know remember LeBron got blocked a couple times down the stretch too. Like that's how you know like these are guys that are always dominant and they're having struggles down the stretch. These guys are really trying, and that was nice. Yo, that's I I never thought about that point. How you're you're out there with five alphas as well. There's nowhere to hide, right? Remember those Warriors teams a couple of years ago with like Harrison Barnes and you're like, yo, you know what you could maybe you could let Harrison Barnes like he shot them out that series when they lost to the Cavs. Where do you go? Like one for yeah. twelve from three or some shit, you know? So yo, I never thought about that. And that's a hell of a point there how 
everybody out on the floor there is the 10 best guys in the world going at it. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. You checked me on that one on, on falling <laughs> back and not overlooking that. But you mentioned you mentioned the Grizzlies. You mentioned, you mentioned John Morant. I think they've definitely been a pleasant surprise. We got to talk about the Knicks, fam, because you run a Knicks page. You, you're, you're super nicked out the way I am, too. Question to you, and try not to cry when I ask you this. If John Morant was doing what he's doing in Memphis at the Garden, would he be like first-team All-NBA right now? No, no. Whatever he do would be fun. I'd enjoy it. You know, I think... You know, I, I think... I've gotten asked this question a lot. Like, if John or Zion had ended up in New York, like, would they still be doing what they're doing? Like, I, I laugh a lot because, like, John, I feel like it would have been impossible for them to screw up, but I feel like Zion, they'd be playing at, like, three or something stupid. And, uh, you know, not not to say, you know, not try to make, like, too many big suits, but that's just kind of, like, the vibe I get. But John's been a lot of fun, man. It would have been nice to have a real PG for once, literally ever, but it seems like it's never going to be the case. Uh, I'm content with RJ. Hope he improves. But, oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I love I, – I'm more than satisfied with, with RJ Barrett. And I also think, like, with Zion, who knows? Dolan might have been like, yo, fam, we, we got to get you out there and – who knows if they would have let him sit for four months like he was sitting. So you do have that also. Yeah. But, yeah, I really I, – I, I like RJ. I just – I just, you know, man, we're crazy, the Knicks fans. We were ready to retire the numbers the, – the Lynn jersey and shit, you know, and put a banner up for him when he was – Lynn Sanity was running wild. I just feel like the Knicks and the Knicks fan base o- across all sports, bro, I don't think there's a more – there's not a city – that is starving for team success more than what New York is for Knicks basketball. Cause I'm still not like the Nets are still Jersey to me. My bad. That's just how I feel about it. Like I grew up with them in Jersey. It's still weird to me that they're the yeah. Brooklyn Nets. And I know we're going on almost, you know, we might be coming up on a decade now where that's the case pretty soon, but still, it's just like, it's one of those things. Like I still call the chargers San Diego. Oftentimes, you know what I'm saying? We just, we grew up with that shit with their, they're the New Jersey Nets. So I, I find myself sometimes, but, how do you feel about the 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 Knicks fan base, and do do you agree with that sentiment of how much we're starving for them just to be like, yo, we'd be good if they were like the Pacers right now, like a four or five seed, you know, competitive, fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I kind of lament it sometimes, but I've tweeted it. You almost look back on those underachieving mellow years, and you're like, man, like I would kill for thirty seven wins right now, like. It, it's weird, you know? I mean, we just want, like, good basketball. Like, it's really not a hard concept. I don't know why it, it escapes us or eludes us. I don't know why uh, anything that's obvious we always run opposite with. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just give us halfway decent ball. During the mellow years, you know, when we got to the playoffs, so it was multiple seasons in a row, it was, it was nice. It didn't go as well as we wanted, but Garden was rocking. We knew every night that, we had a chance to win, and I think that's basically all that we want. Nobody, anybody who has like the, the championship or bus mindset, kind of silly, but at least with just putting together a good basketball team, that's about all anybody should really want here. Last couple of questions, man, as we're winding down, because I know you gave me a heads up on you having to run, and you're a busy man right now. What's the one thing you're most excited for for the second half, these last 30 and, and change games in the NBA? Uh, mostly, uh, Mostly just like the Western Conference playoff race. That's kind of what I got my eyes on right now. Um, just like that last, you know, is OKC going to be able to hang on? They're cut above right now. Is, is Portland going to be able to make that push with guys like Nurkic coming back? So uh, is San Antonio going to be able to 
keep that playoff streak alive. Things like that are the Grizzlies going to shock us and get in. So to me, that's like the most interesting second half narrative over the last like 30-ish games here. Yeah, I feel you on that, man. I really want... I want to see if the Pelicans can make the eight seed because I know I know one versus eight matchups are usually a wash and you know the team either gets swept or maybe they'll steal a game three at home and just make the crowd happy. But you know you were talking about it before, man. The human emotion thing, which I've always harped on in the past, just across all sports, like that shit needs to be factored in, whether it's like in gambling or if you're making picks on series or whatnot. But think about all the guys that got traded in that Anthony Davis deal and even AD too, like. AD wants to show out if they were to play the Pelicans. And then you got Ingram, you got Zoe, you got Hart, and then Zion being, you know, the next shit. They've said that the most can't-miss prospects were, were like LeBron and him in the last 20 years. And, and KD also people were high on. But I just think from, from a fan standpoint and staying up to watch those games, I would love to see the Pelicans and the Lakers. So I'm with you on that. The 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 just the the West has always been compelling though. Yeah, the West is always compelling, but like for me, it's just like the the quality of the teams this year. I, I just like how it's a nice mix of like vets fighting for their life, young teams coming up, and I feel like either way, like that eight seed is going to be a good quality team. You know, not someone just kind of sliding in towards the end. So I'm uh, looking forward to it. In the East, bro, are you surprised at what Toronto's been able to do? Because I feel like. They just went on this win streak. I know they lost that last game before the the All Star break, but to do all that without Kawhi, who arguably is, I mean, he's in the discussion for best player in the league right now, especially what he did last year in the playoffs and just how he handles himself. Are you surprised with the Raptors, or were you were you bullish on them coming into the year? I mean, I, I think the only answer anyone could give is surprise. Uh, I think even people that were higher on them to start the year probably didn't have them where they are. Um, I thought they were still going to be a playoff team. I thought they were going to be like a like a Pacers, like a five, six seed, a good a good one. But uh, I didn't have them being like no drop off whatsoever. And I think anyone who says they did is is a liar or the most bullish Pascal Siakam fan out there. So, um, it, I mean, they've overachieved a little bit, in my opinion. But they're still a very good team. They just won the title, and they're showing why. So, you know, hats off to them. All right, last thing. What free agents are the Knicks getting in 2021? <laughs> None. None. I mean, they're not getting any free. I mean, it's going to be mostly B and C tier guys again. So, I mean, I, there's nobody to get excited about. The thing that I'm thinking is they have eight picks in, like, the next five years. So mm-hmm. I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, they go all in on a trade. That's about it. But I don't see anybody signing here. Yeah, I just always find it funny, man, with the whole – Zion, Kyrie, Durant last year. It's just, I remember telling one of my buddies, I was like, yo, fam, no one's going to come here. And he's like, how you know? I was like, bro, no one ever comes here. One guy wanted to come here. We mortgaged the farm for him. He came and people still hated him. And that's Melo that I'm referencing. Like, Melo was the yeah. only dude that was at the top of his game. I was like, yo, you know what? I want to go to New York. Like, no one wanted to take on that challenge. But I always... Melo stuff always makes me laugh a little bit because... Fans don't want to pay to get the superstar, and then when they do get the superstar, they are quick to say like, "Oh, they're only here for money or whatever." But you know, if he would have went to the Bulls, like everyone suggested, and you know, made fifty million less dollars, they would have said, "Oh, you know, he doesn't really, you know, he wants the easy ring." Da da da. He's teaming up with Rose and Noah. Da da. You know how that goes because we did that that whole era. That's what that was. That's what the conversation was. Then he goes back. Then he goes back to New York. 
and he does it, and uh, it, he doesn't win the ring. Uh, I mean, he it goes terribly, right? But he's a max player. He comes. He does his job. He got paid to be a top scorer. That's what he was. And the team failed to uh, put the team, you know, a, a good enough roster around him. So to me, it's silly. It's like, you know, he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. He, he, he comes to be the lone star and tries to get a good team around him. That doesn't work out. And we slap him for being greedy or whatever else. But he's the only guy who wanted to come here. So you got to sign people. you got to pay money to get them. Like, this is part of the game. So it's, very, it's a very strange discussion. Yeah, he's uh... – He's in the Mount Rushmore of most polarizing players in, of our generation, that's for sure, especially with the Knicks fan base. But, yo, know, I know we're running, we're pressed up against time. Kyle, you're the man. I appreciate you for coming on. I'm sure we'll do something again in the near future. Uh, thanks again, and tell the people where they can find you, man. I know you plugged a bunch of shit in the beginning, but what's, like, your social media and all that? Yeah, uh, you can just find me for all that stuff uh, on Twitter, at Kyle Maggio, on Instagram, at Kyle Maggio. Uh, very easy to find me. It's just my name. Uh, nothing else. So make sure you're following the next ball at Whistle Sports. Um, that's pretty much it. And you get everything that you uh, need to get from me. I appreciate you, man. I'll make sure I have your handles and all the stuff that you're a part of, all 27 jobs that you have in the description of the bio <laughs> of the episode. Make it easier for them to find you. Appreciate it. Did a shit my whole life. The boys are back. Yo. <laughs> What's good? Young Strokes, the president. What up, baby? How are you, man? That's Impy. For those of you that might be new to the program, the dynamic backcourt is back every now and then. You know, we uh, we take the, the, the sneakers <laughs> down from, uh, you know, like. The box. What's that thing the, called? The see-through box. No, no, no. The the shit we see a lot in oh, the city. Oh, the, uh, the wires. The wires when they throw the sneakers over the top. Nice. I like it. Yeah, we got to take them down every now and then. Impy back. Imp, what's good, baby? I'm chilling, man. Um. You know, really exciting uh, uh, NBA All Star festi- festivities ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm locked into the XFL as well, and you know, in the in the sports world, I can't I can't you know I'm surprised I'm saying that, but really in, getting into the XFL, which is strange. Um, but yeah, you know, really excited about basketball going forward for the second half, wide open, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's good to be back. What's good, man? Cool, bro. We actually got the XFL on in the background right now. We're recording this Saturday of All-Star Weekend. Yes. For those of you on the Patreon, you guys will be able to hear this already. If not, for those of you that are not Patreon members, for one American dollar a month, (laughs) you can get all the episodes a couple of days, sometimes a couple of weeks in advance. Um, That's fire. Yeah, man. I've been doing a lot of research on how to grow... Whether it's the podcast, whether it's uh, social media, whether it's the Patreon. And shout out to my guy, Nick Chavez, who's a, a member of the Patreon also. It's called uh, Easy Access Point. Okay. So it's like everyone got a dollar. So like for $1, if you get them, you get them in and they see what your product is, and what it has to offer and whatnot. Then from there, they're more inclined to their donation every month to get some more incentives and perks and whatnot nice. so but it's cool man it's been going well i got impy on now because we're gonna talk some nba haven't had a chance to talk much nba since the beginning well we did the preview show yeah the preview show which was dope shout out to our guy marco who was on also yep, yep. the we did the east coast and the west coast preview um i think i think my my prediction was uh rockets over sixers I do remember you being super 
contrary, not contrary, no, but, but like you had a big boner for the Rockets. Yeah, I mean, it, I still think it's early in the season, and I really and I I, I love the fact that they're going all in on the small ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, PJ Tucker is what six foot seven, and he's playing center for them right now. Um, and it's just interesting, like you know, who knows if Mike D'Antoni's back, right? I, I think his contract hasn't been renewed yet, mm-hmm. so I think he's just trying, you know, you know, this one last kind of wrinkle to throw it, you can throw it in the mix and see if it works. Um, but you know, I, I'm a big fan of contrarian thoughts and things of that nature, and I like you know going small. You know, and they, granted, they have probably two of the best ball handlers and creators in the league, which always and helps, usage, guys. Yeah, and you and you wanted to talk to me about you know something actually specifically about the Rockets too, which was interesting. Yeah, you, you kind of brought it up so nonchalant, but and that, that was they, unintentional. They've been such, a, but we're professionals. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> just because you haven't been on all the time, don't mean that the flow is gone. <laughs> but I do gotta ask. A big a big topic on NBA Twitter, a big talking point on sports shows is whether or not what the Rockets have become, is it good for basketball? Is it is it corny? Do you enjoy watching the Rockets, I should ask, first and foremost? Because we, we can't forget, they're on TV pretty much all the time yeah. because they do have two of the 10 most marketable stars in the game, yep. Harden and Westbrook. And they're also a team that's been a contender the last couple of years, and there's it's polar opposites when it comes to you can ask 10 people if they like it if you if you ask them whether they like it or not five people will tell you yes five people will tell you no like there's such a dynamic conversation nowadays so how do you feel mp about watching the rockets play basketball uh you know i'm like 50 50 parts you know in, for some stretches of the game i love watching them mm-hmm. flying up and down the court um, in transition, a lot of that's fun to watch. Um, you know, I respect greatness, and, and James Harden is probably one of the you know most gifted offensive players of all time. Russ is electric to watch as well. Um, I like the fact you know I'm going back to I like the fact that they play small, um, but I don't love the fouls and the and the free throws and the and and, and the stopping of the game and the, and the and the slowing down of the pace and that, that's all part of the game. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know the, the the looking for the foul all the time sometimes. You know, I don't want to say bothers me because, like I said, it's a part of the game. It's strategy. They want to win. But at the same time, it's not, you know, the most fun to watch. So a half-assed answer, but yes and no. And just during some, like I said, some stretches, I'm all in it. I'm loving it. And then there's certain stretches of the game where it's like, come on, man. Let me get some Lakers. I want to say I was one of the few people in the beginning, 2015, 2016, where I went all in on yep. this Rockets basketball. Yep. And through the years, I think it peaked in 2018 with uh, Chris Chris Paul coming in, yep. you know, being up 3-2 on the Warriors. You know, we've talked in the past about the biggest what-ifs, and we feel as if that one is yep. in the discussion for the 2010s as far as what's been – what would have been a, one of the big what-ifs. You know, it's like Clay's, Clay's uh, game six, Chris Paul getting hurt, things along that nature. But I think that was the – the peak for this team yeah. and this core. That was a crescendo. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know if they could get there again because they, to answer the original question, I'm with you. There's stretches where I'm like, damn, yo, this shit is dope to watch. You know, like having the balls to pull a three, four yep. on one and things, things along the lines like that. But it does get annoying sometimes where James Harden gets the ball on the inbound. And, and then runs the clock down to four seconds and puts up a, a prayer three from 35 feet. Yeah. 
Um, it's, you know, like I said, but it's strategy. That's that's the plan of attack. He's the best ISO player in the league, and they're trying to win. So that's why you're kind of just like, look at the end of the at the end of the day, everyone says it's entertainment, but these guys are trying to win, and so that's kind of their method of attack. So I don't know, do, but do you think that? That's kind of one of the reasons why the ratings are down and things of that nature because of the fact of, of, of how kind of the NBA is now such a, you know, guys are getting calls left and right. Mm. You know, it's, it's a free throw game now. It, it, do you think that's kind of, you know, attributing to the reason when the ratings is down, which is another thing that you wanted to talk about today? I, th- I think I want to say with the Rockets just a little bit more because I do think we hear it all the time in sports how it's a copycat league. Yes. Right, you you see a team like Golden State come in 2015. You saw flashes of it in 2014, the last year with with Mark Jackson as head coach. And then what ends up happening is they go into that deep series with the Clippers and they lose in seven. But it was one of those things where you saw them and you see it a lot of times in MMA where a guy leaves a fight or a matchup better despite losing. Ah. Right, i.e. Dominic Reyes over this past weekend. Loses to John Jones, but people are like, yo, this motherfucker is actually tough. He fits the mold, and he's a serious threat to the throne of John Jones. What you saw with the Warriors was, yo, this team is young. They're hungry. They're playing a new style of basketball we've never seen before. Then you bring in Steve Kerr, and then the rest is history. A lot of people want to copy that mold. Yo, let's shoot 30, 43s a game, 53 sometimes. But it's like, yeah, here's the big X factor. You got the two best three-point shooters of all time, arguably in your backcourt, so it's easy for you to be able to do that style of basketball. And you also have very versatile defenders in Clay Thompson and, and, and Draymond Green, and, and even back then Andre Iguodala, guys that can 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 defend multiple positions. And then as you you know as the years progress, you bring in KD, who you know surprised a lot of people with his ability to protect the rim. I was a skeptic, and KD proved that. He was a you know a solid rim protector, um, granted undersized, but at the same time, um, having those types of elite players at those positions always helps. And then you take kind of look at the Rockets and you say they're trying it, but do they have the personnel? They don't got the personnel. Do they have yeah. exactly? So like yo, it's dope to have a quarterback drop back and throw the ball fifty times and air it out like Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. It's like yeah, yo, you know what? We're gonna build our team like the Chiefs. It's like yeah, but. You don't have a gifted passer like Mahomes. You don't have five guys that run sub four three forties. So the scheme and the fit is completely different. And I think the issue with the Rockets and a lot of teams in the league, because nowadays, man, I think one of the reasons why the ratings are down is it's a collection of a lot of things. There's no dynasty. And despite how you feel about them, whether you like it or not, you watch because you wanted to you had one team that you either liked if you were a Warriors fan. Or you dislike because they kept winning and they yep. were so good. So you had that factor. Number two, the ratings are down because everything I found out that the streaming aspect isn't factored into the ratings. Got so it. how many people are watching on League Pass? How many people are watching on their phones? It's completely different. So the actual Thursday night TNT game might be down, but NBA Twitter is like the number one trend pretty much every night. It's, it's being, its own community. It's an actual term now. Yeah. Like, yo, you saw that shit that's being talked about on NBA Twitter? It's like, yeah, now you understand if you're a sports fan what that means. Merchandise is up. Attendance is up. Um, and engagement on social media is up, going back to your point. Um, it's just that the ratings are down. And, and, you know, someone threw around the idea that it's, you know, 
marquee names are a lot of them are in the Western Conference. People yeah. on the East Coast may not be be able to stay up till midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely the case as well. I.e., a LeBron. Th- think about it. off the top of your head. If you were to rank the top twenty players in the league, how many of them are in the East? Giannis, Butler this year. One of the Sixers guys. What, yeah, Embiid when he's healthy and he's on and he's not like bitching yeah. and moaning about being booed and shit. No, I agree. And then like, I don't know. Is there anyone on Boston you would throw on that list? Anyone from Toronto? Nah, Boston's just a great as a whole. Yeah. Boston's it, just more of a collective unit. So I think that's another reason for that because why are you going to watch if you're in the East Coast? Like, it's hard for you to stay up. Yo, a lot of the games tip off at 1041, 1042. Yeah. And also, what do you think? Does Do you think load management has anything to do with it as well? Because I'll tell you right now, I'm not watching a nationally televised game if, if you know, one of the big superstars is not in the lineup. Okay, I take that back. I will probably watch, but maybe your fringe borderline fan that, you know, watches maybe all of his local team games and then occasionally would watch a national TV game or whatever the case is. That kind of fringe borderline fan that's you know making the decision of the two, maybe he's going to watch something else. You know that superstar is not in that game that night. You know maybe he, you know that's what you know makes it go the other way, and you don't watch that game. So I think a load management has something to do with it as well. You think the schedule is too long? Um, you think eighty-two games is? I think is that a the lot? way it's the season's broken up is weird. Like we're at the all-star break now, but we're like th- uh, we're fifty-two th- games, yeah, yeah, into an eighty-two game season. I think that's strange. I do think that the the the, the in-season tournament that Adam Sam- Adam Silver wants to implement could be interesting. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, and you're a you're a soccer guy, mm-hmm. so you know all about these like mid-season cups and whatnot. Oh, they're they're being done throughout the the whole your whole season. That's why soccer has a big issue because. I remember having this conversation with you. You're like, yo, who should I root for and what should I follow? It, because, you know, you have Champions League. You have UEFA Cup. You have, if you're following a Premier League team, you got the Carlin Cup, the Premier League. FA if Cup. In FA Cup, right? If they're in the Champions League and the UEFA Cup. Yo, you're looking at a team like Liverpool is playing in four tournaments and leagues throughout the year. So... How am I going to follow it? You know what I'm saying? It's hard for you to understand it. Now, I think it's possible. You could definitely do something. I think it's going to be good for those teams that, you know, are fringe playoff teams that, you know, they're talking about, like, if you win these tournaments or if you seed high enough, it can, like, automatically get you entry into the playoffs down the line. So what if you're kind of one of these, like, middle-of-the-road teams that you may not make the playoffs, you go on a hot streak, you win this mid-season tournament somehow – and then you, you you lock yourself into a playoff slot. I think that's interesting. I think it will give some of these teams that are, are out of playoff contention to you know maybe even you know like even going back to making you know locking in a playoff slot. This is a situation where it could be a team that has no um, business making the playoffs, but for some reason go get hot you know middle of the season and they find themselves in the playoffs. So I think it gives some of these you know these more fringe teams an opportunity to kind of reinvigorate their fan bases a bit for sure and. And then also the money aspect of it is interesting yeah. too. Yeah, because I, I do think teams. I don't think it's necessary for you to play your division opponent six times. Right, you play three and three, and then you play your conference two and two, and then you play the the West Coast one and one. That's how you get to eighty two games. Got it. So, is it necessary for the Knicks to play the Raptors that many times? I think if you shave it off and get to like seventy four games, it'll be less load management. Less load management. You know, because now now. 
I think the elite players play anywhere from 70 to 75 games. So then you won't have that issue. But then again, you might flip and say, well, if that's the case, then they'll start playing 62 to 65 games. Yeah, I think, though, if they shorten the season, the the star name, they'll make the star players play in these in-season tournaments. Like, okay, guys, we hear you. We're going to shorten the season by eight, nine games, but then there's going to be like two or three games, you know, added into the mix in the middle where you guys can make money, you know, you know, nationally televised games. You know, I, I, I think it could work. And I think one of the reasons is it'll offset some of the load management that's going on in the league, which is a huge plus. Hmm. I do think with... I I never thought about the West Coast thing being that big of a factor, but I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think LeBron being out there is interesting. LeBron, Kawhi was in the East last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Harden, Russ. Um, I mean, if you want to, you know, even though Towns... Yeah, whatever. Towns is an elite player. Granted, he's not on the best team. Now he's out west. Well, he's always been out west. Um, Luca, and when I mean out west, I mean in the Western Conference, not yeah, necessarily yeah, yeah. on the West Coast. Right. So you have Luca now. KP obviously. Um, you know, granted they're all injured, but you have the entire war, the entire Warriors team. People love to watch. They're out west. Um, so just just something to think about. Yeah, I think I, I like it. I like that take for sure. You know, it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't talk about the Knicks. Let's get it. Um, where do we start? How much time do you want to spend? The drama that is the New York Knicks. Once again, valued as the most expensive team in the entire NBA, according to Forbes. It's the city, man. Yo, think about this. The Knicks miss out on Zion and John Morant, right? I like RJ. This isn't a slandering RJ. But John Morant is one of the surprises of the league, and so is Memphis. And I know we'll get into like those categories in a little bit, but I did want to show them particularly love. And now Zion's coming back, and he's dropping 30 spots on people. Also, people aren't talking enough about Brandon Clark, kid from Gonzaga, who is like a middle middle of the first-round pick, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe late, late first-round pick. He's balling out. Super underrated. Kids killing. I love his game. Um, just want to show Brandon Clark some love too. Shout out to Brandon Clark. Back to what I was saying though with John Morant. Think about what he's been doing this year with Memphis. But if he did that at the Garden, oh, would he not be an All Star? He would. He'd be. I was talking about this. I forgot where. Also, his numbers would be. I think also a little bit more inflated as well. Because he has some guys, you know, he has some guys on, on, on that Memphis team that can make plays where, with all due respect to the Knicks, you know, other than Julius Randle and Morris, who's now gone, they didn't really have guys that could stuff the stat sheet. Whereas if Morant was in New York, he'd have to do, I think, more. Granted, he's doing a lot as it is in Memphis. But you got Jaron Jackson. You have other guys. I mentioned you have Clark. You have other guys around him. Dylan Brooks, who's having mm. a great season as well in Memphis. You have other guys that could put the ball in the hoop, and you have other guys that can make plays and things of that nature. Whereas in New York, that's not the case. So I think in addition to the fact that it'd be under the brightest lights and in the biggest arena, in the biggest city, he also would be doing more. Therefore, his numbers would be increased. That's a very fair point, yeah, because the roster that Memphis has put together is definitely better than what the Knicks have. Rich Cho is a name that people are now tossing around for the Knicks' potential GM position um, to be under Leon Rose, who is a CAA agent who was recently you know, hired as the president of the Knicks. He's he's uh, high up in, in, in the organization in Memphis, so that's something to be excited about at least. Mm-hmm. That's a name that people are throwing around. I wanted to just throw that yeah, in. Yeah, Memphis, I think, has the youngest roster in the league. Yeah. If not, it's in the discussion. 
Like I, I saw a graphic that says seven of their top minute getters are all under twenty five. Fire. Which is dope. Yeah. And but what I'm saying is with the Knicks, if it's crazy that they're valued that much and how expensive the ticket still is because the team Dude, if they weren't the New York Knicks, if they were the Milwaukee Knicks, if they were, and no slight to Milwaukee, if they were even like the Chicago Knicks, and Chicago's a big market, dude, they wouldn't be getting the kind of buzz that they get. No. Like, yo, the two teams that spark the biggest interest from people when you're looking at blogs, when you're looking at reports, when you're looking at Knicks segments, for clicks, Knicks for clicks, and the Lakers, th- those are the two biggest brands in basketball. And it's crazy how the Knicks suck and, and have been sucking for all these years dude in the last 20 years two winning seasons two uh, i th- i think it's three but i think they've only won a playoff series once yeah 2012 or 2011 and 2012 whatever it was. just constant turnover at, at gm yeah. at head coach roster and, and what hurts the most is like everyone around the league you always hear people say the league's better when the knicks are good Every, you hear it consistently. Everyone says it. Guys like LeBron say it. Guys like Adam Silver say it. Other GMs and executives say it. And that's just what's mind-blowing is like the truth is I feel like everyone is rooting for them to succeed. You know what I mean? Like if the league is in a better place, the players get paid more money, right? So in, in that kind of a theory and, and that logic and that way of thinking, people want the Knicks to do good. And it's the truth. When the Knicks are good, the league is better. There's and still not a better place to go watch a basketball game. Mass Square Garden. It's not even close. And I know I know I haven't really been to many arenas to watch basketball games, but I do know from even when you watch it on TV, it's just when the Knicks are playing well or if they have a lead or dude, I went and watched the Spurs play them this year. And the Spurs were up thirty at one point, And the Knicks cut it down to like five. You would have thought it was like game three of a a one one series. Knicks fans still show out, man. It was crazy and yeah. it was lit and it was both teams that had nine wins at the time. <laughs> That's just how it is, dude. They wanted to retire the 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 Lynn jersey at one point when Lynn Sanity was going on. It's just there's no city that is starving for a team to be good like yeah. New York is for the Knicks to be good. I think the Leon Rose hire is interesting. Um no one has found a bad thing to say about him mm. yet, which is always positive to hear. But at the same time, don't forget, writers and media guys get their sources and information from agents. CAA is the biggest agency. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone that I really trust in the in the basketball world. You know, he tweeted out the other day. He's like, he's like, look, you know, everyone should be excited about Leon Rose. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time. The reason people aren't talking bad about him is no one wants to burn a bad bridge with CAA because these media guys and these writers get a lot of their insight from agents. So it's kind of one of these situations where, you know, maybe they're being nice because they don't want to kind of burn the bridge where they, you know, you know, what's the, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah. You know, people are, you know, there's rumblings that that could be one of the situations why people aren't you know, necessarily talking bad about the move. We'll see. It's very early. I was really excited about worldwide West potentially coming over. Um, for those of you who don't know who Worldwide West is, is he's a very, um, you know, well known and 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 super duper respected, um, you know, behind the scenes NBA guy, um, you know, from Jordan to LeBron and everyone in between, um, you know, where it is now, he won't be part of the organization. Um, he'll maybe be, maybe an advisor, which is good, um, because when you are, you know, when you have a title within an organization, you can get you know tampering issues and things of that nature. So, I don't know. 
too, you know, it's very early. We'll see who, how he builds out the front office. Um, but cautiously optimistic, I guess. What are your thoughts on Steve Stout being moron? This generation's Drake moron. <laughs> what on, was bro. that, bro? I mean, I get what he was trying. First of all, he he fired Mike Miller, who's the Knicks interim G, uh, Knicks interim coach, on national TV. Like he basically said, like whoever's there is going to be gone, and they're going to kind of you know you know clean slate, you know start from scratch. But Mike Miller's been doing a solid job, man. I think he has more wins than Fizdale. In in a quarter and and however many games he's been coaching, the Fisdale had in a year and a, a year and in some change. So, credit to Mike Miller, he's doing a solid job as an interim coach. Um, he was a G League coach of the year. Um, I think I've mentioned this before. G League coach of the year, Westchester Knicks. Um, a lot of guys, man, that have G League, you know, coach of the year awards have con- come into the NBA and done great things. Quinn Snyder and Nick Nurse specifically, who are who's a guy I want to talk about a little bit later. Nick Nurse, nonetheless. He's been doing a great job, so it's just you know Nick's gonna Nick. Um, you know they put out a press release the second it happened later on that day. Kind of you know, I get what he was trying to do. He was trying to defend the Knicks. They were coming at him. He was trying to defend the Knicks on national TV. He just did it the wrong way. He overstepped his you know overstepped. He didn't stay in his lane. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, you know, do better, do better, man. Who would you nominate to be the Drake for the Knicks? If you could pick a celebrity to represent the Knicks the way Drake does, like, yo, Drake has uh, OVO is all over their practice arena. They have OVO jerseys. He's the ambassador for them. I don't know. It's interesting because they kind of already have somewhat of a figurehead which in Spike Lee. Right. But he's kind of old school, right? So it's not as exciting. I'm talking as- about, like, someone lit nowadays. Like so, But it has to be someone from New York. Someone from New York that reps New York heavy. Like, who can you, who can you pick that will be that figurehead? Do you, have, do you have one? I don't. That's why I'm asking you. Oh, man. That's tough. A guy that resonates in pop culture. So it has to be like a music, a, a actor, musician, a an musician. Actor. You know, you always see celebrity role, but a lot of times, like they're not all Knicks fans. It's yeah. just they just so like, like I was at the Garden one night, and Kendall Jenner was there for a Ranger game. I was just mad random, but they yeah. she got a nice pop. Like people pop her, I popped for her too for other reasons. But <laughs> it's like she's not a Ranger fan. Yeah, I, I, that's a good question. I'll think about it as we as we go on because it's tough. I I, I really can't think of one. I'm 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 drawing a blank. I'm trying to think now of New York athletes, other city, other. Like, the only person I thought of because going back to that Spurs game, I was there and I heard the reaction he got was Jay Cole. Nah, but he's but in, that's no. Nope. But but here's the thing: he's not from New York originally, and he doesn't rep New York like that. And also it was because he's boys Dennis with Smith Dennis Jr., Smith who's Jr. out the door next year. So and right, right. So that was the the first one that came to mind as I posed this question to you. But I didn't want to say that I had one because I didn't think it was a good one. Yeah. Plus, it's also a rapper, too, so it's like you're following the same path. I think I just put Nas at center court, man. Or A Boogie with the hoodie. <laughs> New album's fire. Um, fuck, man. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to like send some emails out, maybe. We'll see. All right. Adam Sandler? <laughs> Is you watch Uncut Gems? Oh, he's yet? not from New York. Uncut Gems was amazing. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Are you shitting me? <laughs> I know. For you degenerate fuck, you didn't watch Uncut yeah. Gems. And the weekend's all over that movie I too. I know. That's my god. That's a human cheat code. Yo, you're 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 missing out. Yeah. If I can give you any advice, it's whenever you have an hour and a half to two hours of free time, watch that fucking movie. Seriously, like 
I'm so surprised you haven't seen it yet. Mm. Shouts to Julia Fox. She's so bad. Yeah. Yo. I heard I heard uh, Garnett was good in that movie, too. He was. He played himself, but he was really good. That's fire. That whole movie keeps you on the edge of your seat. Like, the Sadfee brothers that made it, um, they are known to make movies at a high pace. They move fast. People are constantly talking. There's no, like... Breaks in between. And yeah, stuff. there's no, like, montages of, like, smooth music and, like, you know, the scenery changing and, and, and the seasons passing. Nah. It's all, like, fast-paced, in-your-face. Um, I like the way they make movies. Um and it's awesome. It takes place like, it takes place the year where where, where Car- Garnett was in the Celtics. I think they lost in the playoffs that year. But it was like when they're playing the Seventy Sixers in the playoffs when they had like, um, it was the season when the Seventy Sixers had Lou Williams, I think, Andre Iguodala, and they made the and they they made a nice run that year. Um, so it takes place in the past, um, and they do a good job of like. Using the music from that time period and and oh uh, shit nice like at that time the weekend was kind of blowing up yep so they're in the club and there's like a specific line where someone's like who's that guy he's like I don't know he's from Canada I don't think he's gonna make it though that's fine yeah yeah, yeah. they did they, they did a really good job of keeping it in that era which is like the early two thousands like yo that's so. a big pet peeve of mine shady when you watch movies sometimes that's and they'll have music like the the movie is based in the sixties but they'll have like Drake. It's Come like, on, dude, man. what are you doing? Or yeah. even shows. A lot of shows do that, too, sometimes. It, it, they did a really good job. He, he definitely got snubbed. He deserved an Academy Award nomination, at least. Didn't get it. But he won another award, which is cool. Independent Spirit of Award film or some shit. I don't know. But, yo, Adam Sandler's amazing in that movie. Kevin Garnett does a really good job. Um, yeah, I, I would I would watch it immediately. I'm going to have to watch it when I get home later. Seriously, like, I'm not saying, like, it's, yo, you're going to be like, you're going to be pacing back and forth. Like, fuck. Bro, you bet. You, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a whole portion of the film where, like, he has a lot of money on a bet on a game. And, like, you're just, like, watching the... There's, you're actually, like, kind of watching the game. Like, they show, like, highlights. You know what I'm saying? Bro, you're going to fucking love it. Like, hey, you know how it is when you're sitting there and, you're, and you have a, game, a big bet on a game. And you're like, fuck. Dude, me, me watching the cheese at the bowl. Yo, one, I want to just say one thing about the movie. One of my favorite bets that he lays when he puts down in, in that movie is uh, he bets Kevin Garnett to win the tip off <laughs> of like one of the games, and he won. The, he hits it obviously. Like, yeah, that's just, such a you bet too. <laughs> tip off. If he be betting the dumbest shit I've heard, you bet like first bucket. I love those. Yeah, I love uh, double doubles and win double result. Favorite bets in basketball because like what are the chances that Rockets win the game and, du- and James Harden doesn't have a double double? Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's why I kind of like them because it's like almost like a duh. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's nights where that's not the case, but I just like those bets. Those those double results are pretty easy when you take the win. Double. There's a lot of there's like you said. There's like cor- those are called correlation props where like it's it's a high possibility that for the Rockets to win, James Harden needs to have at least a double double. Yep. So a lot of times, what I found myself doing is, for example, with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I bet Mahomes MVP. I I didn't bet this because I had futures on the Chiefs from beforehand. So I didn't really bet aside much. But what I advise people to do in videos and in, in podcasts was if you want to bet the Chiefs to win, they're about minus 125, minus 130 on the money line. But Mahomes is plus 120 at MVP. If they win the Super Bowl. If they win the Super Bowl, it's going to be Mahomes. So you have more value and there's more incentive for you to do that. Whereas on the flip side, 
I was hell bent from the moment the Niners won that game against Green Bay that there's no way Jimmy G is going to be MVP of that game. I just couldn't see it. And I know us two went at it in the group chat where it was like, you're like, bro, he's 18 to 21. It's like, yeah, but there was no – what play did he make up? But if they would have won the game, he would have won the MVP though, right? Or you think it's well, Debo it's Samuel? Well, de- it depends though. Like, what, if, what if it was Debo Samuel that scored that game-winning touchdown and, and, and you know, Garoppolo's like – you know, 240 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. But then you look at Debo and he has like 150 scrimmage yards and a touchdown on eight catches and three three carries. Yeah. It was like the Julian Edelman thing last year. True. Right? Brady didn't light it up. He didn't throw a touchdown, but Edelman had like 11 catches, 12 catches. And he, and he carried them. Yeah. You know? Backpack. All right. We're now going to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet. On all things sports, I wish I would have knew we were going to get into a sports betting conversation. Oh man, it would have been uh, even better. Segue. Well, this is good timing either way. March Madness, the Masters, Major League Opening Day are right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part: when you sign up, you receive a fifty percent welcome bonus. Head over to betonline.ag, use our promo code BLUEWIRE to revive your 50% welcome bonus on first deposit. Again, the promo code is BLUEWIRE, or one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And I did that all live, one read, because MPI am sort of a professional. Yo, shouts to... This is Bet Online AG, right? Yeah. Online Bet and Online Casino, man. Jada Kiss. <laughs> Yo, let me tell you something. I don't I haven't checked his what his numbers, like if his what his wins losses are, but I listen to Jada Kiss's plays every Saturday. Saturday action, Jada Kiss. It's the best, man. If I was to give you a hundred bucks right now and told you, yo, Impy, you could bet on any team. To win the finals, can you read? Can you read them the numbers? Yeah, I'm also gonna throw another wrinkle on you. Ooh, you can't me. you can't pick the top three nice. because as I'm looking at BetOnline.ag, sponsor of the show, Lakers, Bucks, and Clippers range from plus two seventy five Lakers and the Bucks, and plus three fifty are the Clippers. The next biggest favorite is at twelve to one. So I want you to pick a team from twelve to one odd, and I'll read you the teams, and you can tell me. I actually this. have them in front of me. All right, so we got the Celtics and the 76ers at 12 to 1. Rockets 14 to 1. Denver and the Jazz 16 to 1. Miami 20 to 1. Raptors 25 to 1. I'm going to stop at the Pacers. We got the Mavericks at 33 to 1 and we got the Pacers at 50 to 1. If you had 100 bucks MP, what team would you bet on? Um, I'd probably say the 76ers or the Houston Rockets mm-hmm. from both from each, each conference is somewhat of a dark horse, right? Um, I mean, dude, I'm going to talk about this later on, but the 76ers were a, a, a fade away three bounce jump shot from arguably the league's best player at the time from being in the NBA finals. Um, you, talk- you would have you would have picked them to beat the Bucks last year at that point. Yeah. Um, would you have? I mean, think about it that. I mean, if they beat the Raptors, you know, um, granted the roster is a little bit different this year. Um, you know, they're still trying to you know get the pieces to work with Horford. Um, 
but nonetheless, and they're also battling injuries. Like I feel like Josh Richardson's been injured the entire season, on and off here and there. Um, and B, you know, we all know about his health. He's kind of been in and out of the lineup as well. Um, but I definitely think, you know, they're talented enough. Um, and at the same time, I think Houston, um, we'll see what happens with small ball. P.J. Tucker, 6-7 at center. We'll see how that plays out. Um, but when you have two of the top 10 players in the NBA, we know this is a star-driven league. I think when you have that set up, I think anything could happen. So if I had 100 bucks, which I do, I would put it on both of those teams, Eastern Conference and Western Conference. What about you? I think I know where you're going already. I want to go back. Local. <laughs> I want to go, go back. Uh, all right. I've, I had this conversation with our guy, David. Shout out my guy, David. He's a big Heat fan, born and raised in New York, but just became a Heat fan from a young age. We were in Miami for a bachelor party. Shout out to Dom. We're going to his wedding tomorrow. We're down there. And I remember telling David, I'm like, yo, bro, why can't you guys make the Eastern Conference Finals? Like, why can't you? This is when the rumors were about them getting Iguodala. They might get Gallo, right? That, those were the rumblings. And this is prior to that. This is prior to those rumors surfacing. But they had the third best record in the NBA at home. We joke around and say like 11 and we say the Miami flu, but that's a real thing. If you look at the history of the NBA playoffs, they have one of the best home court advantages because when teams are down there for four or five fucking days, turn up. the turn up is real, right? They're going to go out. It's the same shit that happened the first year the Vegas Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights were in Vegas. Teams that were getting there two days in advance of the game. So for example, if they got in Wednesday night for a Friday game, they're turning up. They lost like two games out of like 41. <laughs> Bro, that's insane. Like the ROI of you betting on that team every night was insane. substantial. It's funny, real quickly, the James Harden with the st- cities with the good strip clubs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that, did you read that Reddit post? Yeah. Fascinating. Wow. Toronto was on there. Miami was on there. It's crazy he, because Houston's known for like strip no, clubs, yeah. but like he has his jersey retired up there. I bet you he doesn't do well in Atlanta. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Atlanta. I'm watching the Mike Vick, the Mike Yo, Vick documentary. Amazing. They, they talk about yeah. I got through season one, the first episode, part part one, and then I fell asleep last. Part night. two is really good because it talks about. I forgot he got a hundred million dollar deal from the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. I yep. thought it was like a. Nah, bro. They got rid of McNabb for him. Crazy. I've, I I that, don't get me wrong. I remember I picked him up in fantasy football that year, when the, the year that where where someone got was it was Cobb got hurt, and then Vick came in. And, and and didn't give up the job after Kyle got hurt. I picked him up in fantasy that year. I remember how good he was. I just really honestly forgot to give him a six-year, $100 million deal. Shout out Andy Reid. Yo, Shady was for the culture. Like, for that sure. dude always, like, he, and I want to say I heard him talk about this one time. And I don't know. Was he in the documentary? Yeah. He was? Yeah. But they asked him about, like, the black quarterback. And he says, like, yo, I didn't care. Like, can you play or not? And he was one of the first ones to embrace it. Yeah, McNabb, he had Vic, he has Mahomes now too. Yeah. You know, so he was one of the first guys to really embrace that and be like, yo, I just want you to ball. Can you yeah. ball? Can you get the job done? I don't care what your skin color is. Yeah. Go out there and play. So going back to the Miami, the Miami flu, and the reason why we segued into the Vegas thing, it's like these teams, when they gotta go to Miami and stay there for a while, could get distracted. It could get it could get crazy for them down there. And I think there is a legitimate roadmap for the Miami Heat to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, look, Butler got hurt a couple couple games ago, and 
they kind of fall back now. I believe they're the sixth seed. I want to say they're fourth. Fourth, yeah. Let's pull that up as we have it. But staying with that, I like the Heat, man, because I think the Heat, if they could get to the three seed. Fourth seed. If they could get to the three seed, right, you avoid Milwaukee to the Eastern Conference Finals, which is the only thing I want you to do because then anything could happen, right? And we've seen Milwaukee fold under the pressure of the bright lights being in the Eastern Conference Finals. And you have a team that I'm starting to respect Jimmy Butler more because... He's a dog. He's an alpha, but he needs to be the number one, though. But But... The reason why I say that is because he got a lot of heat for missing, for sorry for how he handled the the Bulls situation, the the Timberwolves, Timberwolves, then even with the 76ers. But then you look at some of the shit that's happening in Philly right now, and you look at some of the turnover in Minnesota. You're like, yo, maybe Butler wasn't as crazy as we thought. Yeah. And he goes to Miami, and a lot of us are saying, yo, why not re-sign with the Sixers if you really want to win? Why would you go down there? And I think the Heat are the most surprising team for me also. I know I'm I'm covering a lot of bases here, but the original question, I would bet twenty a uh, hundred bucks on the Miami Heat because I think there's a legitimate roadmap for them to get to the Eastern Conference Finals and then you can hedge your way through the finals and if, whatnot. And I also think that they're my biggest surprise of the year, man. I really do think that I wasn't sure how the other pieces were going to fit with Jimmy Butler. You always heard about how he hated young guys because they didn't want it like he did. But I think it's very important, and I talk about this all the time, how the culture that a team has built needs to be factored in when you talk to some of these guys. He fits into Miami so well for a lot of reasons. One, because now he's the main guy. There's Mm -hmm. no... There's no Towns, there's no Wiggins, there's no Simmons, Simmons there's no Embiid. He's clearly the number one guy, which I think bodes well for him because I do think he has somewhat of a little bit of an ego, which is fine. All great players do. Um, but another thing is just like Pat Riley and the Heat are so committed to winning. Sometimes it's to, it's sometimes to, sometimes I feel like it could affect them negatively, right? Like they're so committed to winning that they're fine with being like the six seed, right? Where in the NBA, you hear a lot of the time, it's like either be really bad or really good. Don't be in the in-between where, you know, I remember a couple years ago, they had a terrible record and then they finished the second half of the season, like 30 and 11. And they wound up like sneaking into the playoffs that year. We're like, you know, to be honest, maybe that season they should have not made the playoffs and like had a lottery pick. Like maybe that would set them up for success a little bit farther down the road. But the Heat are just so committed to winning and having a winning culture that that's kind of, in my opinion, who Jimmy Butler is. He wants to win at all costs. He doesn't care who he offends or who he rubs the wrong way. He just he just he just wants to win so much. He has that burning desire in him. Where I kind of feel like that's how Pat Riley and the, and the Heat operate as well. They rather the, be the seven seed than the twelfth seed. Like like you know, going back to what I said, just that's not necessarily always the best case for you. Um, you know, what's better, a lottery pick or being bounced in the first round? So I just think he fits the culture well, going back to what you said, how, how the organization shapes up. My surprise of the first half, though, is the, is the Raptors. Mm. Dude. I also had them, like, I, I had Heat and Raptors. Um, but, dude, 15-game 15 15 winning streak heading into the All-Star break. They're 40-15 and 15 right now. Um, third best record in the NBA, if I'm not mistaken. And let's not forget, they lost arguably the best player in the league, Kawhi Leonard, in the offseason. Um and and look, we we used to talk about this last year a lot, but they played great without Kawhi. During those load management games, they still played well. Um, so this may not be a surprise to a lot of people, but it is surprising to me. Um, by, by the way, they lost their last game before the All Star. Yeah, yeah, they the lost. They, yeah, they, but they, they were on a fifteen game win streak. They lost to the Nets, a team that you know has been very up and down and inconsistent this season as well. Um, 
best player development program in the league by far. Boucher now. Boucher's playing really well. Terrence Davis is a guy that kind of came out of nowhere that can give you 30 now for the Raptors. We were kind of talking about him too. OG. OG Ananubi's playing he great. He didn't play all the last year pretty much. He got hurt. Um, Siakam now being like... Is now in a, is, is close to being an elite player. Yo, Siakam was on our all-NBA VM team. So it was Fred Van Vliet. Van Vliet. But, That's another guy that took a step up. But yo, check this out. Siakam won most improved player last year, and I think he might win it again this year. From taking the next step. Like, yeah, like... He's doing even better than he was last year. Yeah, they and that's why they paid him, you know, because they, you know, shouts to Masai. And also, Masai knows all. That's a that's a hell of a call on their part because think about if they didn't pay him and now he'd go into free agency or going into contract negotiations. Now, now you sort of got the deal that I don't want to say what Curry got that first one, but very similar in the sense where you're gonna have Siakam. "Quote unquote" on a discount because you look at what some of these supermax yep, guys no, for get sure. forty million dollars. Like yo, one of the more underrated storylines that a lot of people weren't talking about this Golden State Warriors dynasty was the when, Curry contract when cool. Curry won MVP and shit. Yo, he was the seventh most expensive player on his team. He was making twelve million dollars, bro, because he had the ankle issues and shit, and they had an MVP back to back years at twelve million dollars where they could go out and get. Bogut and Iggy yeah. and Livingston and Barbosa and all these guys. It's true. It's a good point, man. Um, I I I'm just so impressed. And then going back to Nick Nurse, it shows that he's an elite coach, man, because he's doing it night in and night out with guys injured. He's doing it night in and night out with with Rondé Hollis Jefferson playing center, and like it's just so impressive. Gasol's been hurt. Van Vliet's been hurt. Um. Uh, Powell, Norman Powell, who's another guy that's taken a huge step up, has been hurt. Um, Lowry was hurt earlier in the season, and they had the third best record in the league. And like I said, they won a 15 game winning streak, which is second best in the NBA next to the Bucks. I think they won 17 or 16 or 8, something like that. Nonetheless, just so impressed with what Toronto's been doing. Um, I think they're a player away still. Mm. Um, and I don't think they're going to re sign Fred Van Vliet. Not sure. Um, if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm a team in the NBA right now, um, I'd, I'd, I'd think about giving Fred Van Vliet a, uh, Brogdon deal, mm. 15 to $17 million a year, four year. I think Brogdon got four years, 85. Yeah. So around something like that, I, I, I'd pay up for a guy like Fred Van Vliet chip on his shoulder, um, undrafted. Right. Mm. Um, so Curious to see how they you know move forward, but we're talking about right now, here and now. So impressed with Toronto. Yeah, dude, it's not often that you lose a guy like Kawhi and you replace his impact, his production, his stats. Like they got, they're getting contributions from all these guys that you mentioned. But I also think another thing, man, you got to remember that when these dudes go and they play in the finals and they win the finals, they know that. Obviously, they know that they belong. But they know that there's nothing that they could go through that they haven't been through already. That's another thing. Battle tested. Bat- exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. Like, yo, we went into Golden State and we beat them multiple times in Golden State. Yeah. Then there's nothing that we can go through that we've battled and dealt with adversity. Yeah. Nick Nurse. Yeah. Nick Nurse. Great coach. Probably coach of the year again if you have to factor that in, dude. Like, yeah. I, know, I know your boy Budenhoser, he's running wild, but... I also think the expectations were so low. Do you know what their odds were at the beginning of the season? I went back and looked at this. 50 to 1. The biggest odd difference. They were the biggest jump, jump shot 
for a defending champion in NBA history. A team that won the ch- and, title. And like, but so like, and right, but like, in my opinion, rightfully so. Right. I get it. Right. That would, but that's just a very impressive. But that, that's crazy how wild, disres- disrespectful <laughs> we were towards them, you know? Yeah. All right. On the flip side, who's your most disappointing team? It's funny because I mentioned this is a team that could potentially make a run, but I think it's the 76ers. I they're, think it has to be them. Right. They're so confusing. They're polarizing. Some nights they look great and show flashes of being able to be one of the best teams in the league, like on Christmas Day when they when they handled the Bucks, right? Um, and even a couple nights ago they beat the Clippers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is they can't win a game on the road if they if, you know to save their life. What are they like nine and twenty or some shit? They're ready for this. They're twenty five and two at home and they're ten and nineteen on the road. But here's the thing: ten and nineteen on the road, but only one of those ten wins come against a team with a winning record. Where they're stationed at right now in the in the playoff picture, they're fifth. Regardless of where they're seated, you have to win playoff games to mm-hmm. obviously advance. And if you have any, you know, aspirations of winning a title, you have to win games on the road. It's just it's just so crazy to me because of how hot and cold they are on some nights. And look, I'm not a guy I'm not one of those guys that says you have to trade Simmons or Embiid where, you know, you got morons on TV. You know, going back to what I said earlier, they were one bounce away from potentially, you know, going to the what Eastern Conference Finals and then potentially winning. Yeah, I've watched them a bunch this year. The Harrison Horford contracts are rough. I think that Horford needs to officially be off the bench. Like, I think they're they're they have. A, I think their offensive plus minus their efficiency is. As like uh, like as a plus six when he plays center, mm. and you obviously can't play him at center when that beads in the court. So I think you need to play him at center, have him come off the bench, and in that scenario you can rest Embiid more, let him have fresher legs, because that's the problem with Embiid. He's too. He got some cement feet sometimes, man. Yeah. It's tough for him. Yeah. So here's the thing. It's man. tough for him to play down low on offense and then get run all the way back and and protect the rim on defense. You got to have those fresh legs. I think Embiid has to come off the bench. All right, here's. I mean, sorry, Horford. Has Horford. To come. All right, I hear you. the The basketball side of me agrees with you 100. percent That's what needs to happen. Devil's advocate. If I'm the owner, and I'm giving Horford what I'm giving him, uh, I don't think it matters. I think it does. I think I don't necessarily think who starts the game matters. I think who ends the game matters, and I think that as long as the minutes are. I think as long as the minutes are... If he's getting starter minutes... It doesn't matter if he doesn't start. But but then what happens when it's crunch time and you need your best players out there and you can't play them together? If you see who play the hot hand. Maybe Embiid's in foul trouble or maybe Embiid's getting torched. You know, he's one of the best defensive big men, so that's not here. But I hear what you're be. saying, yeah. You got to just go with the flow of the game. And remember, like just because you're not on the court at the end of the game doesn't mean you didn't play a vital role in that game. It's like basketball is a game of runs, and it's a, and it's a, and it's a chessboard, and it's a chess match. Being up by five, and then having to take your best players out, is is and 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 being in that second unit and keeping that lead is just as important as being out in the last five minutes of the game. Like, there's just a lot. There's just a lot that goes into the game of basketball, and I think, you know, just because you're not a starter or just because you're not, you know, on the court at the end of the game doesn't mean, you know you're not playing a vital role i think that like i said keeping that lead when when you're in the game is just as important as having the lead at the end of the game so like i said game of runs so 76ers definitely the most disappointing team for me 
going forward into the second half, uh, six of their first nine games in the second half are on the road, and they are going up against teams like the Lakers, like the Clippers, like the Bucks. So they're playing elite teams right after the All Star break. We'll see, you know how they, you know, they won three straight going into that All Star break. So we'll see how you know how this shakes out. Um, but we'll know, I think, early on, um, in the uh, early on in the second half. And then another thing is, like, I also think that they could potentially try to, you know, it didn't really work for with Horford. I think right now, I don't think it's working. Um, we'll see how it, you know how, see how it plays off if he comes off the bench more. Um, but I think, you know, I think this is a situation where maybe in the off season they could potentially try to re- hit the reset button and 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 try to maybe potentially move him. It'll be tough though with the contract. It's hard to move those him. Tobias Harris, you, dude. Even like Ben Simmons got paid. Like those contracts th- are. I don't think Tobias Harris is the issue. I yo think the the there's a there's a huge issue with the NBA with, when it comes to trades where it's like guys are either making way too much money or they're like at the veterans minimum cheap plug but there's not a lot of like Van Vliet's and a lot of guys that are in that Brogdon's you know, of the world 15 to 8 million dollar payroll a year that are legit ballers yeah it's like guys are making so much money it's hard for you to 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 like get rid of someone yeah I I didn't have them as a disappointment, but I do want to show love to the Thunder, who have already surpassed their Vegas win total. It was 32 and a half. They're at 33 wins. And I just think the way, like, that's a team that hit the reset button, and they are set up with so draft much capital. draft capital, but they're still competitive, and they're still giving their fan base incentive to come to the games. I think that's a credit to Billy Donovan, um, who, in his first couple of years coaching the Thunder, Essentially, just had to play through Russ, and it was Russ's team. And and what about Chris Paul? He's finally playing point guard again, bro. Well, yeah, and 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 I just think that he is actually able to now coach the team, mm. whereas before it was just the Russ show. You know what I'm trying to say? Where now he actually gets to implement plays and strategy, and and he actually gets to coach and show off some of his chops. Because I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in the league. He just never had the opportunity to coach. So I think it's a you know, testament to obviously Stephen Adams. Who is a, is a baller? Yeah, um, SGA. Yes, you know, really high on him as well. Um, so, just you know, impressed with them as well. I think uh, I was uh, higher on them than people were in the previous. Yeah, show. yeah. I um, I'm gonna go with the Portland Trailblazers as my disappointing team, That's just because when you factor in that they made the Western Conference Finals last year, and I know some people were saying that they got hot at the right time, and. You know, I still can't forgive the Nuggets for losing that game seven at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a that could be a credit to them being young, and it was the first time that they made the playoffs. Because I remember last year going into the year, we were both on the Nuggets being the prime pick to make the playoffs that didn't the year before, and they finished as the two seed. Yep. But Portland get into the Western Conference Finals, and then sure they get swept by the Warriors, but. It was the first time in NBA history that a team got swept but had a 15-plus point lead in every single second half of that series. Damn, I forgot about that. Yeah, dude. Remember, like, yo, Golden State, their run, they outscored teams by 18 points in the third quarter. And we always talked about how that team, yo, like... They like to play from behind. They go on 16-2 runs like no one else in four minutes. Before you know it, a 15-point lead... That's another thing, dude, with basketball nowadays. You're down 25. It's not over. Yeah. Back in the day, you went on like a 17-3 run. It was a wrap. Teams were done at like the second quarter. 
But now it's not like that. Now the game is compelling throughout because of those runs that these teams could go on. But going back to the Trailblazers, they bring in Melo, which was cool, which he got. He was treated like an outcast by many people in NBA, in the NBA circles, but he clearly showed that he could still play. Yeah. They got him on a pretty decent, favorable contract also, and you have that backcourt, which I always think is going to keep you competitive. And the fact that they're They're, bel- pl- they're playing better, too. Yeah, they're playing better, but they're below 500. Yep. And, and then like they're three he, games out of the eight seed now, and, and a lot of people want to point to the injuries, which is f- fair. Collins, Nurkic, but Nurkic was hurt already beforehand last season. Right, they brought in Cantor. Um, you can point it at injuries, but also, you know, underperforming too. So, um, I agree. You definitely think that they should have been at least in the playoff mix. Who knows though? I think that they could potentially make a run. They have been playing better towards the you know, the middle third of the season. They played much better. So we'll see what happens. Who's your MVP up until the All-Star break? But because you're already shrugging your shoulders like we shouldn't waste time, you can't pick Giannis. Mm. There, right? A little off speed. I called in what pitch was coming. Curveball. Um, because it's obvious it's it's Giannis, right? Yeah. Which I want to point out, I did pick Steph Curry to win MVP. Yes, you did. But I also did say as we were winding down that episode, because Marco always brings this up, how I mentioned... Are we ignoring Giannis? And he's like, I think we are because he was the favorite. And also, you look at the history of the league. Guys that win their first MVP, they tend to win one back-to-back. And they tend to be in that discussion. And I think we were just ignoring Giannis. Is it kind of like what happened with LeBron after a while? Yeah, but LeBron had rattled off like four MVPs in six years. So maybe that's why. Okay. I just think that Would you give Dame any consideration? Right now? Yeah. You can't. You can't because they're not in the playoffs. But yeah. he's been... I think at one point, Luka, you could have given Luka some consideration, I think, for sure. But Especially when been, KP was out, too. But he's been hurt. Yeah. And now the Mavs, I think, are the sixth seed or the fifth seed. Um, yeah, they're, they're the they're the seventh seed at the time we're recording right the now. The Mavs, right? Yeah, yeah. And to be honest but, with but you... But they're, they're, they're four games back of the three seed. So... It's one of those things where the the West is really tight. I think if Dane, I think it it really all depends on where the Blazers finish, mm. because he's putting up MVP numbers without a doubt. It's the highlights, right? He's the fifty point games, the but, logo but, threes. But yeah, he's success. doing everything from the optical sense that the MVP needs, right? Because uh-huh. now it's becoming a little bit more of a one of those awards, right? Oh, I know all about it. Yeah, you do. So Fucking I think if the team could turn around and they could make a tiny little some some run, um, you know, may, you know that you know maybe you know, there's some legs there. LeBron, right? Mm. Um, what's the difference between the Lakers this year and last year? AD, do you put him in the conversation? Maybe, um. But I would say obviously it's Giannis. But depending on where the Mavs finish and depending on where the 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 Blazers, Blazers finish, I think maybe Luca or or Dame could potentially, you know, make that kind of a run. But it's 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 Giannis's award. Well, the Bucks have the second easiest schedule in the East, second half of the year. Yo, there's a roadmap for them to get to seventy wins. Like they're forty six and eight. 
They just got to stay healthy. They got to stay healthy. And I don't know, do they pull the plug and just say, let's get healthy? And, you know, they're probably going to have the one seed wrapped up by like end of March. That's crazy. Which is nuts. But yeah, I think it is Giannis. I don't want to waste. Yeah, he's minus much. 300 right now. Yeah. He's the, he's the heavy favorite. Let me ask you this question as we wind down. Before I asked you to bet $100 on a team and you can't pick the three teams at the top, do you think it's a three-team race for the NBA Finals? Are you going both LA teams and Milwaukee? Or or do you believe in another team that can make noise? Because I look at a team like Utah, who I was high on coming into the year, and they've been kind of weird also. Conley's getting his legs back under him now. But I think with them, you know me, dog. I'm big on the crunch time five. And I think they have a five that could go up with anyone. Yeah. And go Bears finally. Uh, all-star. I think I think that's that's a big factor for me, man. And, yeah. You know, for as much as the Paul George signing gets a lot of buzz and whatnot. Man, I went back and looked at his playoff log. There's a lot of like eight point games on there. There's a lot of like thirty sevens, but it's just way too yeah. A lot of three of nineteen shooting from well, the field with and eleven he's also points. Also not good late game either. Like, yeah, like final seconds of the game. Remember the controversy when they were playing the Cavs and they're like, "Yo, why didn't I get that last shot?" And it's like, dude, you're we're like zero and thirteen, and, and who took the shot? Oh, like CJ Miles. <laughs> so someone dumb like that, but. You know, I no, I I hear you. I, I just think that. Sorry to cut you off, but I just think that that team is built for the playoffs. That game, that team is built for grinded out playoff basketball. Where in the regular season you can score 140, in the regular season you can score 130, but how are you going to play in these 90, 95 games? These these 89, 95s, these 102, 98s. That team is built on defense. They have an elite head coach in Doc Rivers. Um, and obviously, I love the Marcus the Marcus Morris trade um, because you know now you have another shooter, you have another solid defender. Good, I, he's a goon that you need too, as well. Yeah, the, everyone's talking about how they could throw another guy at LeBron. I just, I, think, I also think that that was. I also wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers won the championship at all. I think it's coming out of the West. It's the Lakers or the Clippers. Mm. LA's winning the championship this year for sure. Well, it's interesting because there's a possibility that those two teams might play each other in the in the second round. Yeah, also. which is would be unfortunate for a better. <laughs> right, right. Man, I don't know though. I don't know. There's something about the Clippers that I'm not fully buying into, and also like the Lakers have some issues too, man. I don't like their starting five. Yeah, I'm. I'm not as worried. Danny Green's been very hot and cold this season. Mm. I think Danny Green will, you know, start to shoot better, especially in the playoffs when the time comes. Rondo was hurt. He's kind of getting his legs back under him. Um, Kuzma out there raging. Kuzma, man, is so underrated because I feel like if he wasn't on the Lakers, he'd be doing so much more. Mm. And I feel like he's the scapegoat sometimes. Um, I'd love to see Kyle Kuzma in another uniform, kind of like how Brandon Ingram left the Lakers and he soared. I, I'm, I, I really like Kyle Kuzma. Um, so. I think he gets the short end of the stick sometimes, being that the fucking third guy, right? Of yeah, these two massive superstars. Um, Dwight me, Howard's having a great season. Yo, too. he is. Yeah, shout out to Dwight, man. There, I'm. I'm not worried about the Lakers in one bit. Interesting. Okay, okay. I am. I am a little concerned with both LA teams. I just, there's just something about them, and 
I don't know. I don't want to take victory laps if they do collapse and then point out. The I just floor, think it's 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 this is the season because there's no Golden State, right? I think. Um, I don't really think that the Lakers can hang with the Rockets. I mean, I don't think the Rockets can really hang with either of the LA teams in a seven-game series. It's early. Who knows? And, Dude, and thirty AD, AD is gonna shred the Rockets if they play each other. But that's the thing. The rock. The but that's see. That's the thing. The Rockets can play small against anyone. Certain teams. Mm. The Rockets can play small against certain teams. But when you have versatile bigs like the Clippers have and like the Lakers have, I think that's where you get into trouble. Because AD could guard PJ Tucker. Uh, the. P.J. Tucker could potentially guard some other big guys in the league, but he can't guard A.D. He can't guard uh, 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 um, a Kawhi or something like that. I just think that the, the the one thing that the Lakers did a really good job of, and the Clippers as well, is just having very versatile big guys and wings where you can switch and you can play really good defense and they have a lot of length. And I just think that, that you know ultimately that will be too much for, for a team like the Rockets. But, I, I yeah, uh, one of the L.A. teams is going to make the finals and win the championship. Noah... I'm surprised you didn't mention anything on the Nuggets. Do you not trust them, or do you think it's just the same shit? I don't as think they have year? enough. I think maybe if Michael Porter Jr. develops into that a big piece where he's shown some flashes this year, maybe. But that's not this year. You know, he's still. You know, they're still easing him in. Um, it's Jamal Murray, man. He's great, but he's not. Nah, it's the same. The same. Yo, I've watched. I've watched them a little bit this year. And it's the same shit. I'll stand by it. The Jamal, the the Jamal Murray, like that's a term now on VM that I throw out. He's the ultimate roller coaster player for me. There's times where I see him and I'm like, yo, he's a top five point guard in the league. And there's other times I'm like, yo, I can't wait until actually he did get paid this offseason. He did. And it's one of those things where I think he's and Jokic. I don't know too. if he could be your second best player. And Jokic too. Jokic is is starts the season slow. Granted, you know he's playing better now, but. I said, look, I love Jokic. You know that he's yeah. probably one of my favorite players in the league. But he's very one-dimensional when it comes to offense. He needs to get in better shape. He needs to become a better defender. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I feel like it's the two teams in the in LA, and then I really don't know what's gonna happen in the Eastern Conference. We'll end the show with this. I got a question from a member of the Discord. Nice. Uh, shout out to my guy Chino. You guys want to get in the Discord? Check out the Patreon. Five dollars a month, you could join the VM, the League of Legends. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you could buy any team in the league other than the Knicks, who would it be? Damn yo. Now it, it, you can your criteria for buying them could be whatever you want it to be. I'm picking Miami. Yeah, that's a good one. I think I'd pick the Celtics. So I'm picking Miami one because it's Miami. It's Miami. Yo, you know how many lappers I'd be getting if I walked into 11 and they're like, yo, that's the owner of the heat. It's also, um, <laughs> it's a great city. It's a great, the organization itself as it is, is run very well. You'd get Riley. You get Riley. You get Spolstra. You'll always attract free agents yep. because of the location the tax. and the no taxes down there. Yeah. It's a culture that they just always like. They came out of nowhere to get Jimmy Butler. Like, I know Jimmy Butler's not Giannis, but there are some reports that yep, that yep. might be a destination for him going for down sure. there. But um, I do think that, you know, they're always going to be appealing. We mentioned the taxes, the weather, right? History like, of winning. History of winning. Um, it's just 
Something about that culture down there, man. Yeah. I now that I think about it, also maybe Golden State. Um, you get the San Francisco market. You have, you know, two Hall of Famers, maybe potentially three Hall of Famers on your roster already. You're gonna have a top five pick this year potentially. Um, yo, didn't Wiggins? they just get another pick? Or then, you, granted, you got Wiggins, you know, eating a bunch of salary. But yeah, but let me tell you something about Wiggins. I kind of like that move from. Yeah, because now he doesn't have to be the guy. He's the fourth option. Well, when they're at full strength, yeah, yeah, he'll yeah. be the fourth option. Well, Draymond over him. I think the usage rate will be higher with Draymond. Yeah, well, he'll grab boards and then push the pace and play make. Um, but that's exactly the kind of and, and we've seen them be successful with a wing guy like him. That's not like a high percentage shooter. Yeah, and the cool thing is like he's actually gonna have the one of the things that he's underrated. I think is I think one of the aspects of his game that is underrated is his defense. And now he's actually gonna do less on offense and do more on defense, which will I think actually be better for him. He won't he he won't garner as much attention anymore. More fast breaks, more crazy you know high flying dunks. He'll be all, his the jump shots he does take will be more open. Um, I like the fit as well. I I I really do. Um, so and just like I said, like I just you know the market. You know, I I, I think Golden State, but ultimately I think my pick is the Boston Celtics. Um, historic franchise. Really, really great young talent. Some good assets moving forward still, too. Um, you get Brad Stevens. Mm. So, I think... Uh, and also, Danny Ainge is always five steps ahead of everybody else. So, I think it's the Boston Celtics. Roll call time, folks. Shout out to Chuck Page, Daniel Gibson, Bo Clore, Derek Pleates, Corey Johnson Hoops, you're, Christopher Velasquez, you're, and... Nick Chavez. Nice. Members of the franchise tag and the Supermax. I appreciate y'all for your contributions. And shout out to the rest of the Patreons too. But housekeeping notes. The daily questions. Any member of the Patreon, you can ask me a question. It could be about anything. And I'll do a video and it is exclusively on the Patreon. We banged out like 10 questions, uh, putting one up every day. They come out at like noon. Um, there's a bunch of them on there and be there's like um fire 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 i'll read you some of the topics real quick uh favorite sports moment you can't name football or soccer five things you love about sammy watkins because you know i don't like sammy watkins <laughs> um is a super bowl halftime show overrated top five cities to visit and travel and shit like that so nice. if you guys want to send your questions any member of the patreon can send it but top priorities are supermax the vms and the franchise tag players. As far as I go, you can find me at the Lamb Show on all social media outlets across the board. YouTube page is Veterans Minimum. Twitter, Instagram, we're on LinkedIn. Shout out, my God, yo, dab me up, son. Call me young LinkedIn, man. Young LinkedIn, young baby. Links. Yo, if he has, yo, you put me out a lot. Cam front, I, I appreciate you, man, and thank you. Anytime. Whether it's anytime I ask you to be on the show, you don't say no. We just got to figure out a time. And you swagged out my resume, you swagged out the LinkedIn, all that, and you still show love. So I appreciate you. Anytime, man. And you know I love you too, man. So the floor is yours. Tell people where they can reach you and uh, all that fun shit. Just hit me on the gram or Twitter, uh, IMPY718. You already know. Um, still tweeting a lot, actually. A lot of sports-related tweets. So, like, right now, like, I, I was tweeting about the XFL. The XFL. The DC Defenders. I'm all on the DC Defenders, by the way, this year. Um love their roster 
<laughs> they got a lot of guys. They got a lot of a lot of big names, man. Um, and I don't mean big names like celebrity names. I mean like Darnell Pumphrey was like I think he led college football uh, career yards. He's like one of their running backs. Cardell Jones won a national title. Um, and then Pep Hamilton's their head coach, who was offensive coordinator when Andrew Luck was with yep. the Colts. Yep, he so, was with him over at Stanford too. Yeah, so I, I just re- and then they have a really good defense as well. Matt Elam was a first round pick, I think, on the Ravens. Yeah, out of Florida. I I really like this DC Defenders team, and and the XFL product has been a lot better than I expected, man. Um, this game's a twenty one zero blowout as we're watching the Defenders play the New York Guardians. Um, but nonetheless, um, I've really enjoyed the product. The transparency has been amazing. Anyway, reach me at IMPY718. You already know. Twitter and Instagram. We'll catch you guys later, folks. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.